0: If we could open our Bibles to page 1,176, Um, I will be reading from Ephesians 5, verse 21 to 33. That's page 1,176. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband.
1: Good morning, everybody. Um, This ladder is here deliberately. Hopefully, it will become relevant later. Now, these verses that we just read aren't exactly popular. Maybe some of you were cringing slightly as they were read out. You might be tempted to switch off here and now and consign those words to the history books where they belong. But I want to encourage us all this morning towards courageous inquiry. It's really easy for all of us to assume that we know what the Bible is about, um, but let's listen to what God says first before making our conclusions. It really is so hard to get marriage right. Um, Mel and I are just short of seven years in, and back in 2016 when we first got married, I was fresh out of Bible college. She was um, working for a really awful company that barely paid anything And the first two months of our marriage were pretty intense. We moved to London, leaving both of our families behind. We joined a new church, leaving the churches that we'd both been part of for our whole lives. We started new jobs. Um, Suddenly we had a new house and we didn't have any furniture to fill it with. We literally slept on two airbeds on the floor for three weeks because we didn't even have a mattress. All those changes, all in two months. But the greatest challenge by far was learning what it is to be married. Obviously, we're still working it out. And obviously, any of you that are married for however many decades, you're still working it out too. How should we manage jobs around the house? How should we prioritise time with each other, with kids, with church, with work? How should we communicate when we disagree as we inevitably do? It's hard to get marriage right. And what doesn't help is doing marriage in a world which has such confusion around what marriage is about. The world's understanding of marriage kind of does this pendulum swing between two extremes. On The one extreme, it's like marriage in the old Disney movies. All those movies ended with happily ever after, Um, husband and wife going off into the sunset, all their problems solved. That's the end of the story. Um, But of course, you don't have to be married long to realize that it's not quite so rosy as that. On the other end of the pendulum swing, marriage is considered disposable. So there's this popular TV show on um, in the UK and all around the world called Married at First Sight, where strangers, um, they, they literally meet each other at the end of the aisle. They get married at their first meeting to see if they can make it work for six weeks. And, and if they can't, well, no harm done, we'll just uh, call an end to it. But whatever that show might portray, I think we all know that Broken and breaking marriages are not trivial. Some of us have witnessed this through family and friends. Others of us have experienced it personally. And there aren't many darker roads to walk than that. In a society very confused about marriage, we need God's word. As married people, also very confused about marriage, we need God's word. And as a whole church made up of young people, single people, widowed people, as well as married people, we all need God's word today. We all need Ephesians 5. It includes all of us. Now, so far, if you've been with us through Ephesians, you've been seeing that Paul is painting a beautiful picture of what God's new society, the church, looks like. It's a family, a family where every dividing wall is broken down. It's a family where members are guided by love and light. And in these verses, and in the first section of chapter 6, it's a family where entire households are utterly transformed. In God's new society, in the church, the relationships between husbands and wives, between parents and children, between masters and slaves, they're all completely turned on their heads. And for us to get a real picture of just how radical this new vision for society and marriage is, I think it's helpful for us to consider the context into which Ephesians was written. What was normal society like in the Roman world? Here's the ladder. Uh, The head of this society... I've been told that I'm not allowed to step on the top rung, so um, I'll stop here. Um, The head of this society was uh, the emperor. He was at the top of an oppressive ladder of power. He was I really am quite high here, I'm surprised by how tall this is. Um, below him I'm getting a bit more relieved now is the kind of ruling elite. These are the upper class of Roman society. Uh, in the rung below them, you've got the male patriarchs over each family unit. Below again, we have wives, and at the very bottom, children and slaves. Um, I'll get up my ladder a bit more. Um, And the whole thing was organised by power. So everyone on this ladder is either trying to establish the position that they're already at, or push someone else down, or climb above someone else to get a bit higher everyone is trying to climb this oppressive ladder of power. Um, There's a philosopher whom I'm pretty sure all of us will have heard of called Aristotle, and he said this, of household management, we've seen that there are three parts. One is the rule of a master over slaves, another of a father, and the third of a husband. And then Aristotle, this philosopher that we all sort of vaguely respect. He goes on to say that a husband should rule um, over his wife because he is superior and naturally suited to command. He also goes on to say that the husband should rule over his children as a king does, and he should rule over his slaves because they are subhuman, of lesser being, of lesser soul that's really shocking isn't it especially from a philosopher that we sort of still respect today those household codes were common and every single one of them was about how the man should reinforce his position high up the ladder there was little or no obligation placed on the man to love or care for those beneath him his job was to stay up here um, Another couple of details about the Roman world. The average uh, man would have got married around the age of 30. And how old do you think the average woman would be when she got married? Any guesses? 15. 15. So in the normal way of things, a, a man 30 years old would go to another man and negotiate and acquire... That man's daughter from him, and this 15 year old girl would become his wife. Shocking. It was all about this oppressive ladder of power. That 15 year old girl was completely powerless in the hands of her husband. That's just how things were in Roman society. But as I say, Ephesians paints a beautiful picture of a society that is oh so different. The thing is our society today too often resembles that Roman ladder. We see oppressive ladders of power everywhere whether that's at work or whether that's at the school gates. Power plays, cutting others down, getting close to people of influence in order to climb up. It's all very Roman and specifically within marriages that oppressive ladder of power still remains today. The sad thing is that Too often the church has played a role in maintaining that ladder. Passages like Ephesians 5, they've been misused to say that a husband should play the role of mini emperor. That sounds too much like Aristotle for my liking. Guys, notice that nowhere in these verses are you told to rule. Nowhere. And none of these verses give you the authority to tell your wife to submit. That's her choice, not yours. Passages like this have been misused to say that wives should be quiet as mice and blindly obedient without question. Women have been oppressed and abused. And tragically, this has been sometimes justified by a twisted version of Christianity. This sort of thinking... Is a million miles away from what Paul says in Ephesians 5. That sort of thinking reinforces the very power structure that Paul was inspired to break down. Having the husband as mini emperor and the wife as quiet mouse is following worldly Roman society. It's maintaining the very ladder that we're supposed to be tearing down. Now, back up the ladder. Instead of Roman society, now we have gospel society. Because in the middle of Roman society, a new community is, is growing. And this community does things very differently to the normal way of things. It's called the church. And they don't organise their society in an oppressive ladder of power. Instead, over and over again, they are telling and retelling the same story. They're telling the story of Christ and the church, and that completely shapes their whole way of life. We read in verse 23 that the head of this society is not the emperor. The head of this society is Christ. It's Jesus Christ. Notice that throughout this passage, he's referred to by his title rather than his name. Not Jesus, but Christ Christ is the the Greek version of the word Messiah, and it means anointed one, chosen one. Christ is the one who is chosen to rule over everything in creation. We read uh, back in chapter 1, verse 22. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. He's the son of God. He is very much at the top step of the ladder in gospel society, but Christ completely redefines what it means to be here at the top. In Roman society, the emperor would be completely detached, completely distant. He would never even dream of mingling with the lower classes, but notice that Jesus is so different to that. Again, in verse 23, yes, he's described as the head, but the church is described as his body. There's a, there's a oneness there. He is very much one with the people in this new community. And as well, uh, in Roman society, the, the primary function of emperor being at the top rung of the ladder was to be the boss, to be the one who's in charge. To be the emperor meant to rule. But what does it mean for Christ to be the head of the ladder? What does it say again in verse 23? Uh, Got the wrong page here and I don't want to fall off. Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the saviour. What does it mean for Christ to be at the top of the ladder? What does it mean for Christ to be the head? It means stepping down. To lift others up. Now. Verse 25. This is what it meant for Christ to step down in love to the bottom rung of the ladder. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The deep, deep love of Christ sent him down and down to the cross and the grave. Giving himself up meant giving up his glory, giving up his rights, giving up his very life. And verse 26 and verse 27 reveal Christ's purpose in uh, stepping down to the bottom rung. To make her holy, cleansing her, the church, by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, But holy and blameless. This is a purpose in two parts. First, to make her, the church, holy. He gives us his word, the message of the gospel, and he gives us water, baptism, as a sign that we are responding to the word. And through both water and the word acting together, he washes us clean of all sin. That's the first stage of his purpose to make us holy and the second stage is to present her to himself as a radiant beautiful church without any flaws. The female language and imagery here is is very deliberate. This is Jesus preparing his bride for their wedding day and he won't spare any expense to make sure she looks wonderful. Um, This marriage is uh, the vision that John saw in Revelation 21. He saw the church coming down to earth from heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Christ, the bridegroom, loves his bride. And though he is the head, he steps down to the bottom rung of the ladder so that he can lift her up to the highest place to be with him forever. We were so far away. We were so dead. And yet Christ went to the ends of the earth to bring us in and to lift us up. He steps down to lift her up. And in the middle of this Roman society, the church is telling and retelling the story of Christ and the church. They're rejecting that oppressive ladder of power And instead, they're organising their community based on that story. He steps down to lift her up. I am going to talk specifically about marriage in just a moment. But first, it's important to notice that Paul wants the whole of church society, the whole of the community, to be shaped by that story. In verse 2 of chapter 5 in Ephesians, the whole community is told live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us and in chapter 5 verse 21 the whole community is told submits to one another out of reverence for Christ love and submission are two sides of the same coin they're both ways of stepping down the ladder they're both ways of lifting others up the ladder. And that's what our whole church should be like. Mutual love and submission, regardless of age, gender, social status. The social dynamic in Ephesian churches would have looked absolutely ridiculously crazy to anyone who was looking in. Um, Think about uh, a well-known man from the upper classes in that church. Um, He would be expected to step down in love and submission to even the lowest servant girl in that community. And of course, she would be expected to step down in love and submission to him as well, but it would be so different to the rest of society because it's mutual. Each looking to the needs of the other rather than their own. That's what happens to a community when you tell and retell the story of Christ and the church. Christ stepped down to lift us up. Does your life retell that story? I'm not talking about your words, I'm talking about your life. Does your life retell that story, stepping down to lift others up? I really must get round to talking about marriage, but maybe that's a good question for discussion afterwards. How can our community retell the story of Christ and the church? Back up my ladder. Right, gospel marriages. The whole of God's new community is defined by the gospel story, but marriage retells this story in a unique way. Verse 32 says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Uh, Paul says that because human marriage was designed, uh, Paul says that because human marriage, even from the start, even from Eden, was designed to retell this picture of divine marriage. In this profound retelling, husband and wife take part in a gospel dance. Um, They each take turns, not trying to fight their way to the top, but each of them stepping down in order to lift the other person up. Husband steps down in love and lifts wife up. Wife steps down in submission, lifts husband up. They're both doing the same thing, stepping down in order to lift up, but they're called to do it in different ways. I'm going to catch my breath. Wives, you step down and lift up by submitting like the church submits. That's how you tell the gospel story. Verse 22 Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Submission. Here's what it doesn't mean. I'll do this bit quickly. It doesn't mean wives are in any way inferior. It doesn't mean obedience. If Paul wanted to say obedience, he would have said obedience. It doesn't mean that. Submission is not enforced by others. It's chosen willingly. And this submission is not towards all men. Uh, The particular submission here is specifically between wives and their own husbands. The general whole community submission we talked about from verse 21 is is mutual, and it's the responsibility of both men and women. That's what submission isn't, but but what is it? The word means placing yourself under. It's um, what I've been saying all along, stepping down in order to lift up. Verse 22 says... Submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. It's really good that it doesn't say submit to your own husbands as you do to the emperor. That's really good. um, Because submitting to the emperor meant submitting to rule, submitting to authority, submitting to power. But submitting to the Lord means submitting to love. You are called to let your husband love you. That's what it's about. As the church, it's, it's not at all hard to let Jesus love us because we all know that Jesus is always going to do the loving thing. His decisions are always in our best interest. He always, uh, yeah, we always uh, favor his plans above ours. We respect him ahead of ourselves. Submitting to Christ is easy because we trust him. But this command to let your husbands love you is hard because your husband really isn't Jesus. Sometimes he forgets your anniversary. Sometimes he leaves it to the last minute to book the restaurant for date night. He puts off the conversation about household jobs. It's tempting to give up on him. It's tempting to give up that he'll ever take the initiative in these ways. It's tempting to take charge of all those things yourself. But these verses tell you to give him a chance and another chance and another chance. Let him love you. Give him a chance to love you. Give him every opportunity for him to take the initiative. And when he does get his act together, finally, and suggests plans and decisions motivated by love, let him love you then as well. Of course, you're part of uh, every decision made around your family. You're completely free to disagree with him and to discuss and tell him so. But when he makes plans and has strong convictions about the loving thing to do, let him love you. That's a great way to lift him up and show that you respect him. That's how wives submit stepping down and lifting up. That's how wives tell the gospel story. I can stop being so nervous now. (laughs) Um, This is a dance that the husbands have to lead, lead, though. It is. How do husbands step down and lift up? Husbands, love like Jesus loves. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. We've already seen how Jesus loves, and our job is to follow in that same path. Being the head doesn't mean enforcing your rule like a mini-emperor. It just doesn't. Our responsibility is to step down in love. Here are the headings. Just like Jesus, love is sacrificial. Husbands, is there a cross you should be carrying for your wife? What are her burdens? What are her cares? They're yours now. She might be worried about caring for family or finances. Don't let that weight fall on her shoulders. You step down in order to take the majority of that burden. Husbands, is there something you must give up for your wife? when I get home from work, all I want to do is collapse on the sofa and zone out in front of the TV, just exhausted. But the self-giving love of Jesus mean that means that just isn't an option for me anymore. There's, um, there's a kid to play with, there's dinner that needs to be made, there's washing up that needs to be done. It's a sacrifice when you are emotionally and physically exhausted, but remember the story we're telling in our marriages and here's the uh, the other heading for what it is to love just like jesus this love causes others to flourish we step down in sacrificial love and we lift her up by seeking her ultimate spiritual and physical material emotional good Jesus gave himself to make his bride radiant. We read that, didn't we? And we have the awesome privilege of playing a role in that ourselves. I hate the phrase, happy wife, happy life. It's it's just so much less than what marriage is designed for. Husbands, your job is so much more than making your wife happy. If you're loving her like Jesus loves the church, your job is to make her radiant, care for her, and love her in such a way that she shines. That's your job. Um, A pastor, John Stott, said this, A husband should never use his headship to crush or stifle his wife or frustrate her from being herself. His love for her will lead him to an exactly opposite path. He will give himself for her in order that she may develop her full potential under God and so become more completely herself. Now, of course, the ultimate job of um, making us radiant, that's something that Christ is going to achieve. But husbands, you have a wonderful role in doing something very similar for your wife. What plans has God got for her? What gifts has she got to use? What dreams does she have for her future? You are wonderfully part in making that possible. I'd love to give some specific examples of that, but I think you just need to talk to your wife about it. What can I do that would make you shine? It's a gospel dance, as I've said. Both husband and wife are stepping down in order to lift the other up. And in doing so, we tell the story of Christ and the church. Some husbands and wives, they retell the story of their parents' marriage, repeating old patterns of doing things that they just happened to grow up with. Other husbands and wives retell the story of marriage in our society. Um, tragically, uh, it breaks down. But we have the wonderful chance of telling an incomparably beautiful story of Christ's love for the church. Your marriage is telling a story. Let it be this one. Um, this is something that husbands and wives have to do together. Um, It's very hard, almost impossible, to submit to someone that doesn't love you. It's very hard, almost impossible, to love someone that doesn't submit to you. This is something that needs to be mutual. It needs a lot of wisdom. But it is so beautiful. And I do hope that we can work towards that. What a great story. Christ and the church. whether as married people or as a whole community of the church. What an honor to be able to tell it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that your church is oh so different to the world around. Thank you that in your new society, you completely tear down that oppressive ladder of power. Please teach us all, regardless of our relational status, to step down and lift up in love and submission. We pray that the story of Christ's great love for us would shine. We pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us to do this impossible task. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to respond by um, fixing our eyes on that great gospel.